Welcome to the Raven Precision Podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Lance Malenke and Josh Scandrup. Lance is the technical service supervisor, and Josh is the product manager for Slingshot. Uh, in this one, Lance takes the wheel and asks Josh about uh, the new features that have come with Slingshot, our new subscription models, um, and a lot of it's really been based on the feedback and questions that Lance and his team have been getting in the service group uh, just with all of these changes. So they get into the different subscription models, what's included in them, and mostly including Job Generator and Job Sync. Lance also manages to get Josh to talk about some of the little things that are coming up in the future. And with that, let's just get into the conversation with Josh and Lance. Links, if you just want to kick it off and talk about uh, what you've been seeing or maybe just some of the things to clear up the air with everything that's been going on with Slingshot. So from a service standpoint, uh, I guess one of the biggest questions we've been having lately about Slingshot is why have we moved to a subscription model and what can those different subscriptions do for the customer, you know, whether they're a, a egg retailer, whether they're the local grower or small operator, big operator, they're just kind of wondering where they fit into those plans. Yeah, so we launched subscription the subscription model about a year ago uh, for all the functionality we have today. Prior to that, we did have subscriptions, but they weren't for all of the features. Uh, and so we've seen a, a huge uptick in volume of subscribers and, and users on the system. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, there's also a, a lot more value and connectedness that our customers want to take advantage of, right? So it's not... We see a lot of cases where we've got consolidation of you know, maybe multiple locations and consolidations of fleets, and you've got uh, managers that are now managing a lot more machines than they might have before. And locations. And locations, that's right. And there's also other software that's being used, too, to help increase that efficiency. And so if we go back to kind of where Slingshot started, it was, uh, you know, essentially we could send RX maps out and, and receive as applied back. And that... It was good, and of course, that replaces a thumb drive and allows you to scale um, quite a bit. But that's really just scratching the surface. And of course, to maintain that system, we had to. Um, uh, we do have quite a lot of ongoing costs. You know, it, it's not a system that we purchase once and then, you know, it doesn't cost us anything. Uh, so, just based on the volume and the cost, of course, we had to change our structure. But probably more so than that. Uh, we we want to bring more value, mm-hmm. and uh, and so we see a lot of opportunity to bring bring value through some of these connected services. the The other thing in in our model that we used to do is uh, because we knew that we would have you know a useful life of hardware. Uh, the upfront hardware cost in, included the assumptions about how long features were going to be used, and so that made the upfront cost uh, a little bit more. Going forward, we. We think we need to separate that for for a number of reasons. One, you have more hardware options, so mm-hmm. it's not it's not just field hubs anymore. Uh, you know, you can connect a Viper with Wi-Fi, for example. Uh, you can connect with an RS one, uh, and and there may be other options in the future. So, our model of strict strictly um, uh, monetizing Slingshot through hardware uh, doesn't make sense anymore. 
And and so we switched to a subscription model. The industry's changed, the world's changed. We're we're all more connected nowadays. There's more machines that are coming with some sort of connectivity in the cab or somebody's may have a tablet or a phone they want a hotspot instead of buying the hardware. Yeah, so we just can't rely on that hardware for our our, our income. And as we want these more features, it takes development time. So to get all these new things out that people want to use, new exciting ways of connecting to other software, having other features, it 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 takes time. Mm-hmm. And it takes yeah, and and the subscription also represents a commitment from us, yep. right? So it's not it's not just um, a matter of of you know a recurring charge. Uh, it it's a matter of a recurring commitment uh, from Raven. So you know we. We are now under pressure to bring increasing value to make sure that our system stays reliable, that we're, ma- <clears throat> that we're maintaining it uh, and keeping high levels of performance. So, uh, you know, people always say, well, you know, how do you, um, you know, wh- why do we switch to subscription? Same question you have to ta- offered off the top. And, and my answer is always because we want to bring and we are bringing recurring value. And so we're just aligning the value delivery with the business model. Yeah, we're mm-hmm. changing it from buying a hardware or kind of like a commodity to it's really a service yep. that we're providing. And it's a service that we're keeping active, keeping growing, and have that flexibility to grow and change as as the industry changes, really. That, that's right. And I, I would say like most people understand that intuitively, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not usually um, something that's foreign to people yep. anymore, but... The uh, there's still a lot of desire to uh, control recurring costs, and and in, especially if you've got a larger fleet, you know your budget cycle and things like that it may not be easy necessary to to handle subscriptions. So we we have done some things that uh, that help with that. So we've actually, in addition to just the one year terms, we're rolling out three, four, and five year terms. So you can match up to a lease of a machine. Exactly. So you can match the lease of the machine uh, if. You know, if you wanted to to roll that right into the financing up front, you've got it right up front, which you know you can you can budget for it differently there too. So, uh, I, th- I think there's ways that we can make this work for everybody and make sure we're mm-hmm. bringing value. A lot of flexible options depending on whether you're just a local farmer or whether you're the big ag retailer. There's a lot of steps along the way to to fit the needs of many people. That's right. So, I kind of, sorry, Lance. I kind of want to jump ahead because uh, you you mentioned something that I think uh, this next one of our further points kind of hits on it actually. So when you talk about uh, taking the that what that subscription cost as it was previously was kind of baked into the hardware, so the hardware was more expensive, right? So we look at how uh, I kind of want to get into this real quick. Um, just that our three G to four G changes, you know, that's probably a really good example of moving on from different hardware uh, so that uh, you're not paying that major cost if you need to upgrade from, say, 3G to 4G. And I don't know if we want to get into that uh, just yet with, you know, the Verizon changes and everything like that. But it just seems like that's kind of that's kind of what this new approach can help alleviate some of those issues, you know, some of that, uh, that mm, I don't know, just like <laughs> soften the blow of, Okay, well, 3G is going away. I have to upgrade my hardware. It's not this gigantic cost anymore. It's okay. I just need I need to upgrade my hardware, but I'm I, my service, my subscription service, all my um, my different features are separated from the hardware now. 
Exactly. When you buy hardware now, you're buying hardware. Mm-hmm. And when you buy services, you're buying services. And, and so we, we try to not conflate those two together. And, and it helps us you know, understand where the cost lies. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right. We want to we wanna deliver the service. So on the 3G uh, to, to 4G uh, scenario, so we have uh, Verizon turning down their 3G networks at the end of 2019. And uh, uh, but the lifespan of of a of a field hub, mm-hmm. the cellular hardware is is actually remarkably long, quite quite a bit longer than we actually thought it would be. Right. But the uh, you know the longevity of those platforms is, it, you know, if you amortized most people's cost per year, even on the higher hardware cost for the lifetime of uh, of, of the time they've owned it, it it is really quite low. But that upfront cost is what what you feel today. And so yep. this helps with that too. And it is also worth noting uh, while we're on the topic that we do have a, a a promotion going on right now, which we've negotiated with our vendor. It's available through April where we can uh, help upgrade from 3G to 4G at a, at a lower cost. And so the, um, the, the deal is we have to turn off service to the old device, mm-hmm. uh, but we can also ease in that transition. Okay. And, and, you know, the nice thing is, is separating that service from the hardware. It allows us to make these upgrades. And we're working with the cellular industry, and that's some, a technology that's changing fairly fast. It, you know, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago we did the analog to digital conversion. You know, it was the same kind of thing, but we weren't as connected back then as we are nowadays. It seems like everybody's got some kind of a, a cellular device in some way, shape, or form to, to be connected to the Internet a lot more than we were. Was that five years ago, six years ago? One of that previous one. So this is something that's probably always going to be in this industry. That technology is always changing. You know, I hear places that are talking about, you know, 5G, but, uh, you know, it's something we're always going to have to work with, and it's something that's kind of out of our control. Yeah, it it does always evolve. The um, It doesn't evolve as quickly as we assume it does, though. So, you know, you mentioned 5G, and uh, so that's a, that's a concern sometimes we hear as well. Should I buy a 4G now? Because I think 5G right. is just around the corner. And uh, the reality is it's probably not just around the corner. Well, and it depends how you define 5G also. Mm-hmm. So there's Ooh, right. there's a lot of ways you, you can slice that. Uh, in general, especially in the markets we serve, those are the last places to roll it out. The rural areas, you mm-hmm. have to get it last. And in the case of uh the 3G Verizon to 4G, that is somewhat of a unique case because it's two, two completely different technologies mm-hmm. between their 3G and 4G network. When we talk about 4G to 5G and all the conversations that are going on, that's not that does not mean 4G turns off. So it, it doesn't mean that you have 5G in, in rural areas, and it doesn't mean that 4G turns off. And in fact, even 3G being a separate technology has stayed around for a, a very long time after mm-hmm. 4G was launched. Uh, so we expect that the the life cycle of the 4G technology is you know it's several years um, long, and I and I think that holds true with the experience we've had in other other countries and other technology transitions. Speaking of other countries, I know we're talking about this for Verizon. You know, there's other carriers in the U.S. We do with AT and T, and then uh, other ones in foreign countries. Do you see any more changes from the carriers coming like this that that we know of yet? that might be dropping like the 3G service or is that just something we're just going to have to wait and see? Um, yeah, AT&T, we're, we're starting to hear um, some talk about AT&T turning down their, their 3G 
devices. Uh, that remains to be seen what they consider 3G. So we're not sure exactly how that's going to play out. It it doesn't look like it's going to uh, be as, as severe of an in- impact as the Verizon 3G was. And and I know in Europe, there's also some talks of turning down those other networks as well. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. It's just um, something to keep on the radar and keep up to date. A lot of those carriers, you know, they give us fair quite a bit of fair warning. You know, the Verizon one's been talked about and they've had those dates set for quite a while now, right? Yeah, they, they have. And um, so they try and give people enough runway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say too, even even though they have set the date of 2019, uh, you know, their efforts to maintain the network are not focused on 3G. So, even it's I, I think in a best case scenario, you can run your 3G device all the way up to the end of the deadline, and there's no no issue. But I think you should also anticipate that if you do have issues with 3G networks. Uh, Companies focuses on deploying their 4G network. I mean, that's right. kind of where you want to be. The other, the other thing on the on the 3G and 4G devices is on the our 4G field hubs. They'll support multiple carriers. So the 3G Verizon field hubs were th- uh, Verizon specific, mm-hmm. whereas now with the same model, you can you can go on Verizon or AT and T with the same platform. Uh, and there's a couple different variants, but you have multiple. Multiple options Opens now from the same options. hardware. Yeah. So I guess that that's probably what we need to hit on on the hardware. Should we go back to the subscriptions and kind of mm-hmm. talk about what the different levels of subscriptions are? That you know the different packages that we have available to those customers, uh, and what advantages or what features they can get as they go up the tiers to the to the different levels. Sure. Yeah. So we when we rolled this out, uh, we did make a lot of effort to make sure that this was. Um, uh, a simple transition for the customer. So we we have three tiers of subscription that we offer today. Uh, bronze, silver, and gold is what we call them. And then we also have unlocks. I'll touch on unlocks mm-hmm. in okay. in a second. What we, what we did at the rollover was anybody that was an existing customer, we applied a uh, silver subscription until the end of 2020. So there's there was no immediate action to take, and uh, it, and everything kind of just kept working as it was. Made it seamless for the users, right? And and we also still include silver, uh, one year of it in new hardware sales as well. So the um, the way it worked before is once you got everything activated, it just worked. That's still the case. So there there we do include some subscription with the initial hardware purchase. So silver is kind of the standard that everybody's on, but just to kind of break down the uh, the, the different things that are in each package and what you know might make sense for different mm-hmm. customers, uh, the one thing that's in all of the packages, uh, even even our bronze, the lowest tier, is the API access. Okay. So that's the ability to to have the data in Slingshot from your machines uh, be able to be utilized through third party software. So that's that's something that's really important, especially. Uh, you know, if you're if you're managing a lot of machines, quite often you're using uh, somebody's software and services mm-hmm. to do that. And the better we can integrate with that, we think the more value that brings from the the total combined solution. So that's in all of them. Uh, Fleet View, which is our position tracking, so that's available in the bottom uh, level as well. And then the two other features that are in the bronze tier are the file transfer. So we're talking about sending of an RX map and the retrieval of an as-applied map from the device. So the, the bronze was really uh, created to a- address some of our older field computers. 
So our Viper Pros and Invisio Pro specifically, mm-hmm. uh, and that's that represents the functionality that those devices are capable of. So as we go up to Silver, there's some features in Silver that you'd have to be on our newer Viper 4 platforms to utilize. Well, it, we thought, well, it makes sense to to um, have a lower tier if you can't utilize those features, and that's where bronze, uh, the bronze package comes in. So the Silver package includes all of the, the bronze features and also adds uh, two new things that we've brought out this year. We brought out uh, Job Generator and, and Job Sync. So maybe we can talk about those in a second. Yeah. But uh, So those are two new features that we brought out. The other thing that we rolled into Silver was correction streaming. And so this is, this is one I get a few questions on. Uh, so correction streaming means the ability to receive um, RTK corrections from either a cores network or from a slingshot base station. Previous uh, to the silver subscription, that was only available through an unlock. Mm-hmm. So you would you would purchase an unlock for your field hub, and that would um, it was a one time unlock for the life of that piece of hardware. Right, and and it would just be included there. Uh, we put it in the silver subscription so that you didn't have to buy that on top of a subscription. So if you if you utilized it. Uh, you know, you have to maybe upgrade your hardware to 4G. Uh, you don't need to rebuy that mm-hmm. unlock as long as you have a valid silver subscription. So it was just something we could throw in there with a new subscription model and bring a little extra value to that. Uh, I apologize. I have to correct myself. Job sync is not in the silver package. Job generator is, and we'll talk about the difference mm-hmm. between those two. Job sync is in our gold package. Right, so that's yep. the big... That's the big add to our our gold package, and that's a live coverage sharing between machines, but also between uh, the machines and Slingshot Web Portal. So that's in our our gold package. So those are, those are the three tiers. Then we also split out some unlocks. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned the correction unlock as well that we used to have. We we still, still have available. that. We still have that. So the use case there is if you know if you're a customer that maybe has only used slingshot for rtk you, you might not even have a um uh, a, a raven field computer right so you might be just using rtk with a, a trimble right. receiver or or something like that yeah, a lot of people do uh for a tile plow they want that rtk correction but they're not using one of our displays that's a great place to have that unlock one time unlock and they get that correction right so you can purchase an unlock and it uh, and it will not expire right so you you have that that one-time cost of purchase that unlock for the corrections, and you won't have the silver subscription unless you choose to add it. But if you're not utilizing those features, the unlock for the corrections mm-hmm. are the are the way to go. And then you have the one-time cost, and you're done. Uh, the two other items that appear under the unlock model today are remote support and over-the-air software updates. So we okay. we combined those two into a service unlock. And again, the reason for that was those are those are huge benefit to us, frankly, mm-hmm. uh, benefit to the dealer yep. and benefit to the customer if we can solve problems quickly. And uh, so we we did not want to put that into a subscription package. We wanted that to be able to be uh, purchased up front and then you just have that on the machine. So that that is the case. You can purchase that up front. It's, um, it's relatively low cost and you have it. But we also included the unlock in a field hub uh, or an RS1 purchase. So if you've purchased an RS1 or you have a field hub, and I should say an RS1 with cellular specifically, mm-hmm. then you already have the service unlock. 
So the only time you'd have to purchase that separately is if you were connecting through something you didn't purchase from Raven. Connecting the device Wi-Fi to an internet source. is That's where that would right. come into play. Right. So, you know, the scenario there might be there's no Slingshot or RS1 on the machine, uh, but you've got a Viper 4 and you need to do a remote support session. If you could connect that through your phone, um, as long as you've got the unlock on that Viper 4, you, you can have remote service and do software updates and that sort of thing. So... A lot of the people that I've talked to, you know, once we explain why we've gone to subscriptions and give the models, they're pretty good with it. A lot of it's just the questions and the unknown up front. Mm -hmm. Uh, A couple of the new pieces that you mentioned, Josh, um, you know, the job generator and the the job sync, those are some uh, exciting new features that are out this year with that. Uh, Getting a lot of feedback on the job generator. A lot of people have been utilizing that to help them manage their fleets once that came out. Uh, Can you expand a little bit about, you know, what that does and what it can do for a customer. Yeah, we're really excited about it. Job generator specifically and also job sync, those have been things that we've wanted to do uh, for quite a long time. And so we we finally got to do them. And the uh, so kind of the the idea behind it was we've we've had this ability to send RX maps for quite some time. Uh, but the RX maps only go part way. So mm-hmm. we had customers that would use the RX maps more or less like a like a work order dispatch, right? Make sure but, they make sure the guy got to the right field. Right. So the the benefit of the RX map is you could load it up and and there would be a, a you know a geospatial reference that you were in the correct place. And then there's also some some rate information, right? So it it helped quite a bit. Uh, but where it where it fell short was it it didn't include any product information. RX maps don't include uh, actual rate units, so you have a number and you assume what the rate is mm-hmm. and Nine times out of ten, maybe ninety-eight times out of a hundred, you're going to assume correct. Maybe even more than that, but there's always the the potential that you you've made the wrong assumption about what those units are in, and that's potential for misapplication. Yep. Uh, when you when you start a job, you know, so if you work through this from the from the operator's perspective, he's got an RX map which is in a pile of a whole bunch of other RX maps on his machine, and at some point he's got to know which one do I get. Which, which mm-hmm. RX map am I looking for? So, what what name am I going after? You know, right. And so that happens by a phone call, or you know, maybe he's got a, a clipboard of jobs he's supposed to do that day, and oh. it's called out there, or, or trial and error, or, or trial and mm-hmm. error. You know, so there's some method of determining which is the right one, but it you know, it, it's prone to error. It can mm-hmm. be prone to error. So then you uh, you select that RX map, but you still have to name what products you're using, and set all that up. Which, you know, for most people, they're going to leave it at the default name. So you get a lot of product ones, or you get a product called FERT. Or liquid. Or or liquid, right. <laughs> yeah. Very very und- generic. Undescriptive. And, and and it's understandable because, you know, you want to cover acres, so you're not trying to fiddle with, with that stuff. And even if you take the effort, you know, it might be spelled wrong and any number of things. Um, Gore Farm Field Assignment. Uh, you know, to get that in from all of that takes time mm-hmm. and it's all prone to error. And so you can, if you populate it in the first place, uh, you're, you're probably doing more than most. And if you populate it incorrectly, then of course all the data that you get, has got some level of error in it. Yeah, you think about a chemical name like Roundup, you know, how many ways can you spell and abbreviate that from an operator standpoint? And when that comes back to the office, 
And if you're trying to sort or, or do any book work on that to figure that out, you know, from your inventory standpoint, if you got Roundup spelled seven different ways in the reports, how does that help you figure out mm-hmm. your inventory? If we can get to something consistent and predetermined by somebody in the office, uh, that takes that load off the operator and brings that consistency back into things. Yeah, and that, that's especially the case, especially if you're pulling that information into another software package. Yes. Right, so that there's a hundred different ways you spelled that name. Uh, you have to manually correct yeah. all of them. So it just doesn't seem like a good use of time. You're saying computers only do what we tell them to? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and and, the, and of course the big one is the risk of misapplication. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all of those are are opportunities for something to go wrong. And, and so while the RX map helps, right, gets you that spatial, does give you some indication of where you're supposed to be, some indication of what the product is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's great, but what if you if it's not a VRA job? Right. So so then you don't even have the RX map. And uh, so we have, we've actually had some Slingshot users that would actually create single-rate RX maps just for the purpose of sending that out so they could have that reference and have that little extra just check and balance. liability to make sure they apply in the right area. You know, I've had customers that have done that. They made a single-rate VRA map and make sure everything's zero on the outside of it. That way, if the guy accidentally pulls into the wrong field, he'll get a zero target rate and it won't let him apply. So it's going to stop him. He's going to question, why isn't this working? Right. Mm-hmm. And hopefully he selected the right RX map in yep. the first place. <laughs> so what job generator does is it allows you from the office to set all that information up ahead of time so you you can populate the products and the rates with units you can select the rx map right from the very start and uh, and all of that goes as a package and you can also uh if you if you want to these are most of the stuff in in job generator is optional to enter but to the extent you enter it you know the better the experience is going to be you can also enter field boundaries. And it's important to note we don't use the field boundaries to shut sections off. They're a visual reference. Mm-hmm. They're a visual reference, right? So on the street map of a Viper, you can see this is this is the right field and you know where you are in relation to it. Uh, we can mark entry points on it as well. Uh, so if you want to make sure you drive to the right side of that field and not yep. waste a lot of time right. on the road. Or, or if there's a field with two entries, but one entry is not big enough to get a, a big machine in, Telling the operator to go to the other one instead of trying to wiggle through a fence opening that's not big enough or uh, a driveway that's not safe to go into. Right. So all of that comes pre-populated. The RX map is optional, so now you're back. You can get information to an operator for straight rate jobs, not just not just VRA jobs. And uh, this, the setup time for the operator is much quicker. It's got all the proper names. It's mm-hmm. got the proper grower farm field information. The only thing the operator has to do uh, when starting that job is make sure that the products that are being assigned, or the products that are in the job, are assigned to the right control channels. So if you have a multi-product right. job, you just have to make sure that those products are assigned in the right place. Make sure product one is product one and product two is product two. Right, because the one thing you can't know from the office all the time is how the machine was loaded. Yep. So, right. so that is still in the hands of the operator, but everything else can be set up yep. for one thing I'm really seeing about the job generator uh, from a logistics standpoint, you know, as we mentioned earlier, a lot of these egg retailers, they're getting bigger, they're picking up more locations, and they don't necessarily have somebody dispatching or managing from each location. They may have one central guy managing 
or gal managing five different locations and they're doing a 50, 60 mile spread, you know, and being able to control this and keep it consistent and organized, uh, I think is a great way to get um, efficiency out of, out of the fleet. Yeah, certainly, certainly reduce errors. At least that, yes. mm-hmm. that's our hope. Well, we know errors cost money, so we yes. want to reduce them as much as we can. They do. And, and you, know, you mentioned the, uh, the efficiency of, of managing a large fleet. So that's where we, we roll into the job sync side of it. So the, the job generator, just to create the right delineation between the two, job generator creates a job that basically pre-populates all of the setup options on a Viper 4 when you start the job. And then job sync is the functionality that enables the Viper to share the coverage while it's in the job. So as the job is progressing, it's actually sending to Slingshot the coverage that it's applied. And so if you wanted to put two machines in the same field, then mm-hmm. those two can actually share coverage between each other. Your section control shuts off. But uh, when you cross the other coverage from the other machine, but the the other benefit we get from that is you also get live updates on how the job is progressing from Slingshot. So right. from our Slingshot portal, you can actually, uh, well, to run through the whole kind of workflow here, if you built the job on the Slingshot portal ahead of time, you send it out to the Viper. Uh, so you'll see that in your job list on Slingshot. That's a job you created and sent. When a machine actually starts that job, you can see on Slingshot that a machine has joined the job that you your um, uh, that you've created ahead of time, and you can also see how far it's progressing uh, through that job in real time. Right. And I can make those decisions of when to send that next tender out to go bring him more product. Right. You, know, you can have that visual of where where is he at now instead of having to radio him or guess. You know, send the tender out, then the tender has to sit for a half hour, forty or five minutes till it's ready. You can kind of time that up and make those business business decisions based upon that. Yeah, and so the the other thing, like normally when I talk about job sync, the first assumption is that this is so that you can have two machines in the same field at the same time, and that's absolutely true. You can have more than two machines, but uh, so that that makes sense in a lot of applications. But a lot of the time, it's it's really going to be one machine at mm-hmm. a time, and so there's there's a lot of use cases where uh, you want to be able to share the coverage from the machines, but they're not there simultaneously. Right. For example, it's a wet spring. Mm-hmm. And so you can, you can do the high ground now, but you're going to have to come back for the low spots. Mm-hmm. And that might be several days later, and it might be another machine. Uh, with JobSync, yeah. the coverage is available to that other machine, even if he comes days later. I can see advantage with certain chemicals. If you're applying, if you got to go out, you have one machine, go out and do a buffer zone. Then another machine come in and do the body of the field. Or in the past, they may have sprayed the buffer zone, rinsed the machine, put different chemical in and go. This way you can send two machines out, go around the area and be able to do those buffer zones, do those bodies of the field and and save time on swapping those machines back and forth for different chemicals. Yeah, that's that's right. I mean, there's a lot of use cases. It's mm-hmm. going to be interesting to see how this grows. It's going to be yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. And it changes the way people operate too. You know, with the... Um, uh, with the ability to send jobs with the level of detail we can send them, you know, at any time throughout the day and, and the ability for any machine to collaborate with another machine, you know, I, I got capacity or we're in a rush to get that field done before mm-hmm. weather or whatever the case is, mm-hmm. you know, you can actually do that stuff relatively easily now, which means we, we manage things differently. So it'd be interesting right. to see how we manage them differently. It, it, like I said, it just gives a whole nother layer to that management and, making sure you're making the best use of your operators and your equipment. I mean, if you think about real-time changes, you know, 
we were going to do work in this order and now we're going to do it in a different order mm-hmm. or we're going to swap machines. And you think about all of the coordination that has to happen for that, yeah. right? You've got, uh, I mean, depends on your product, but you might have, you know, blending that needs to change. You've got to get trucks to the right spot. Clean outs. Uh, clean outs. You, you actually have to get that information to the operator. And uh, like just, just imagine relaying this information over the phone. You, don't, you probably don't have to imagine it. Yeah. <laughs> Experienced it, yeah. right? Yep. So the, uh, you know, you call them up and hey, you're doing this, not that. And here's how you're going to do it. And can you repeat that back to me? And you know, you're always never 100% certain that all of the yeah. important details right. are, are understood. So this can help with that. A lot, lot of exciting things happen with those two new features that we brought in. Um, getting great feedback from the field and the people that have used both the job generator and the job sync. So um, really really cool products, and it'll be interesting to see how they grow and how people adapt their, their operations with these tools. Adapt is a, an interesting word. So there's some level of ad- adapting, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also... a a philosophy that we have in Slingshot is is we're not trying to dictate how you do work, mm-hmm. but we're trying to fit into how you do yeah. work. So uh, and what I mean by that is, so with Job Generator, we've talked through using the Slingshot portal, you know, to build those jobs ahead of time and send them out. Uh, it's great functionality. It's going to work for a lot of people. But the the other thing that we are aware of is how many systems, software systems, service systems are in use by our customers on a given day. So you might have um, you know, a tool that you use that manages all your field boundaries for your customers. You might have uh, you know, your, your inventory and your accounting are tracked separately. You've got you know, invoicing and, and work order dispatch programs perhaps mm-hmm. that are separate again. Uh, you might have, on, when the data comes back, you get your as applied. There's a lot of um, programs now where you need that data back because you're actually delivering that to a customer yeah, as a product. That, that's where that API comes into play. So a right. lot of the, the the entry and the analysis may not be done on our platform, but we're the backbone that kind of ties that all together and moves that data around. Correct. So the, what we don't want to see is is that we become just one more place that you have to enter the same information again. Yep. Uh, so we'll always be a tool to enable that. Yep. But but our intention is what what are you using today and if you can if you can build a um, a job right from there, just like we would in Job Generator on Slingshot, if you could build it in the tool that you are already using, mm-hmm. then and have that flow through to Slingshot with no extra work, that that's really what we're shooting for, and and so our you know our main goal is that a lot of people actually use uh, the, the API, so they connect the the Slingshot API to their service, and that's how they do it, rather than becoming one more place you have to do yep. this. So in the long run with the API, you know, hate to say it, but they're using our Slingshot without knowing it. You know, they're entering in software X, analyzing in software Y, but Slingshot's in the background pulling everything together and making their life easier. Yeah, transparently. And and so naturally features will typically appear on Slingshot first um, because that's the development cycle that we have right, control right. over. Mm-hmm. But uh, as as our API partners have capacity and we do have some, uh, that have done it, and some that are that are integrating the job generator functionality. You know, that's where I think the real value uh, comes for the customer. Very cool. So, um, no, we gave them a kind of a snapshot and overview of what we're doing now. Anything in the future that we can maybe tease our customers and users with of some things that we're working on and some things they may be seeing in the next 
season or two coming out with a slingshot product. Yeah, so some things we're working on now. Uh, of course, we're working on expanding some of the functionality and and uh, tools around the job sync and job generator platforms. So we we just launched those this summer, and we're continuing to work and evolve those. Of course, that'll that'll continue to move forward. But uh, new and kind of based on, in particular, the job sync functionality, uh, we're working on uh, a way to quickly total up acres covered on an account basis or a machine basis mm-hmm. or a customer basis. So being able to filter that down. Uh, we'll also break out differences between uh, VRA acres versus straight rate acres because those are often charged at different rates. Yep. Uh, so that'll uh, help, I think, a lot with, with invoicing or even paying operators if, if that's how your operation works, mm-hmm. if they're paid by the acre. Some of them get a yeah. base play plus a acre bonus. You know, oh, right, and yeah. Everybody's yeah. set up right. differently on on how the operators get their paycheck. So we're trying to rely a little less on on the paper coming back from the machine yep. to create those totals, and, and we'll offer a solution there. Uh, so that's something we're working on uh, right now. Uh, other things you could expect to come out are more machine information, especially where Raven equipment is concerned. So from a, from a support perspective, we are working to have more visibility of the hardware on the machine. So right now we do the remote support, right? Mm-hmm. With the yep. where you can see the screen remotely uh, of the Viper. Uh, in addition to that, we also want to get into diagnostics on the other components. So you know the um, it'll it'll be based around our ISO products. So our new uh, RCM rate control module, for example, and our our RS1, RS1. steering. Style. So. Mm-hmm. We'll get more information out of those, uh, in particular, any error conditions and things like that to, to resolve those issues quicker. So that's uh, that's also some new things that will be coming up. Anything visually from the website side that might be coming? Um, any functionality or things that might be changing on the, on the Slingshot portal itself? Yeah, so all of those things I mentioned, yep. of course, yep. manifest through different UI on, this, yep. mm-hmm. on the Slingshot website. Um, we are uh, as we as we develop new things. We we are doing it in a in a new UI layout. Uh, for example, all all of the job generator functionality is, works very nice on a phone. Yep. And mm-hmm. so the uh, which is something the the um, current layout doesn't it's, accommodate it's, it's very not, well. It's not so mobile friendly, but the job generator has become really well. You can do it on a phone or a tablet pretty easily. Right. So as as we develop new. Uh, new things that those are moving to the new uh, to the new layout. So uh, that that probably won't happen all at once. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen, uh, you know, a little bit here and a little bit there as we as we go. Well, it'll happen a little bit at a time, and then yeah. and then I suspect that it'll happen yeah. all at once. But mm-hmm. so the users will be, you know, some pages will be changing, and then some will stay the same. And then as we go down the road, eventually everything will get kind of moved over to the new UI. But yeah, it's always the balance of you don't want to interrupt how people use things yep. today, um, uh, but you also don't want to have inconsistent experiences in the same product. And right. so that's uh, that's the balance we're, we're striking right now, but it, we will be moving to uh, new layouts and new UI and mobile-friendly. We're not going to flip the switch. There'll be a kind of a transition period uh, through this. Right, and and to date, the, the new UI is on the new functionality. So yep. it... Uh, it's not like you did something one way today and you do it a different way tomorrow. Yep. Uh, it, mm-hmm. It's still pretty consistent. 
So some cool things coming for the future of Slingshot. Anything else we wanted to hit on in this conversation? Um, I, I suppose, yeah, if uh, we, we do have some, some programs going on right now for, for demoing some of the functionality. I know it's getting late in the, in the year, maybe for that, but uh, we do have some of that available. So if there's any interest to, to utilize that, maybe give it a try. Uh, yeah, we're, we are, we are open get a hold, to that. Get a hold of your dealer, your account mm-hmm. manager, service department here, and we can help you out if you want to try out some of these new features. Right. And, and then also just to reiterate, you know, on, uh, on the multi-year. So we, we do have more than one year options. We can, we can do multi-year with a term. So of a machine, so that, most relevant for new subscriptions, but um, and mm-hmm. new machine purchases, but those are options that we have. Sounds good. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.